tonight, Matthew chapter 14 in our Bibles right away, Matthew 14 in our Bibles. While you're turning there, I'm going to give you a couple things to think about, and man, that was good special music. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. That was a blessing. Wow, that was stellar. Um, you know, they tell you at Bible college, don't ever put stuff in your Bible, because that's exactly what you will do, and um, well, I've been out of Bible college a long, long time now, so I guess I forgot. But um, thank you, preacher. Um, Matthew 14, and I do appreciate that special music. That was a blessing to me. Um, I want to give you a couple of things to think about, some, uh, some information on the back table as well. And uh, we're, we're thrilled to be here, been looking forward to and praying for the meeting and uh, asking the Lord to bless our time together. Um, first of all, you got a faith promise card tonight, and we'll talk more about these all through the week. But uh, would you please tonight, would you begin to pray uh, about what the Lord is going to have you to do uh, for the cause of world evangelization? Um, you have two options, really, when it comes to being involved in missions. And I'm just going to put it as bluntly as I know how. You can be obedient or you can be disobedient. You can get involved or you can decide not to be involved. But God wants every one of us to be involved. Whether we are going, we should still be sending. Uh, every missionary that we took on, in, whether it was in Quebec or whether it was in Arizona, one of the first things I asked were, how are you going to support missionaries as you plant a church? Uh, we want to know that because every missionary is involved. I don't know a missionary. I don't know a missionary who's worth his salt that's not involved in sending other missionaries as well. Because the bottom line is the Great Commission says we've got to reach the whole world simultaneously, Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. And you know what? I can only be at Harvest Baptist Church tonight. But I can be a part of a missions program that is reaching the world. 21 lights on the board tonight that is reaching the world. And that can help me to be obedient to the Lord. So would you begin to pray uh, even tonight? And this card will just kind of be your reminder. And Pastor mentioned already, no place for a name. This is something between you and the Lord. And um, there's just a place for you to put down an amount. And we'll talk more about uh, how much you're going to do as far as how you do that and, and be very careful because the church is, gonna, is going to formulate the mission's budget based on what you write here. So if you're going to do it weekly, make sure you do weekly. And if you're going to do it monthly, then make sure you check monthly. Or however you give normally, just make sure you do that because if you give monthly and all of a sudden you say, I'm going to give $100 weekly, but you really only give monthly, well, that's going to throw your budget off. So be very careful with that if you would. Um, no place for a name. But there is a place for your age group. Now, if you have a, a question about what age group you fit into, see my wife. She'll help you later on uh, with that. She does a lot better with those kinds of things. I grow impatient. Um, so if you don't know if you're a youth, a teen, or an adult, then just see my wife. Or one of my girls, they'll help you with that, and they'll kind of let you know what group you fall in. Uh, the reason that is there is simply this. Uh, you know, uh, if an adult says, I'm going to give $100 a week, well, the church by faith is going to say, yeah, we, we can put that into the budget. But if a, if a youth says, I'm going to give $1,000 a week, we're going to probably wonder, what do we do with this? And maybe start looking for uh, the youth that has $1,000 a week. And if there is a youth here that has $1,000 a week, see me, okay? Um, I, I can help you um, with what you should do with that, all right? Uh, and then at the end of the week, you'll take the right side of this. You're going to keep that as your reminder through the, through the year. Um, and then the left side, you're going to turn in. We'll talk more about that all week long. A couple other things on the table. If you'd stop by, we would love for you to uh, pick this material up, some things that you can see out there. Um, uh, there's a BIMI World magazine. It'll tell you a little bit about missions around the world. It's, it's happening through Baptist International Missions Missionaries and just some information there. We've had the privilege to teach at uh, Camp Bimmy for the last 10 or 11 years, I guess it is, and just a tremendous ministry of God really using uh, 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 just a, an intensive time, about a week or two. Uh, I guess it's a week for each student, and it's a three-year program, and then they go on the, what we call a smart trip. Uh, Amanda has been that, and that, our oldest daughter. By the way, our oldest daughter met her husband at Camp Bimmy. So listen to me, single, young teenagers. <laughs> there have been many, many marriages made at Camp Bimmy. 
And our daughter met her husband at Camp Bimmy. And uh, they're planning, by the way, to, uh, Lord willing, to go to the country of Nepal in the future. And so uh, you pray for them. But um, this will, the encourager will tell you a little bit about Camp Bimmy. There's a flyer there. We'd love to talk to you about that. And uh, it's really how do you fit in missions. And the premises of Camp Bimmy is this. Let me just say this. It's not a week to tell you that you're supposed to be a missionary. It's a week and then a follow-up week and then a follow-up week to tell you that it's just as important for you to know that you're supposed to be a missionary as to know that you're not supposed to be a missionary. That really the most important thing you can know is I am in the will of God where I am right now. And that's what we're going to look at in our text tonight as well in Matthew chapter 14. One last thing I'd like you to pick up. Would you pick up one of our prayer cards on the back table? Um, it's square. If you laminate it, you can use it for a drink coaster. Uh, our picture is on the back, so it's really easy on the eyes if you hold it the front way up. Well, the, my wife and the girls, that, that's fine, but they decided I needed to be on the back of the card. Uh, so if you pick that up, we would appreciate it. Pray for us, if you would, please. This is a step of faith for us. Um, pastor says I have a fancy title. I guess I do, Far North Director. That means that uh, I work with missionaries in churches across Greenland, Canada, and Alaska. Uh, they pay me exactly zero to do that. Uh, we have to raise our support all over again. The church in Arizona was completely autonomous. When we left on our last Sunday, we were able to tell the church, uh, you have, uh, you, all your bills are paid, all your missionaries are paid, there is money in the bank, and you are on track to exceed your budget by twelve dollars to $15,000 this year. And the salary that I was receiving now goes to the new, the new pastor that is there. So as of two weeks ago, we are officially without a salary. I called Amanda and I said, hey, I'm down to just uh, two jobs now instead of three. I actually have two different titles that they give me at, uh, at BIMI. And she said, that's great, but you still have no income. <laughs> and so uh, that's kind of where we are. We would appreciate you praying for us in that regard. And we know that the Lord will raise our support as he sees fit. Matthew chapter 14 in our Bibles tonight. I want to talk about being where we're supposed to be and a walk of faith. You know tonight that it is impossible to please God without faith. That's a biblical truth. God tells us that very plainly in Hebrews, uh, that it is impossible to please him without faith. As we come to Matthew chapter 14, Jesus and his disciples have had a very busy day of ministry. And by the way, ministry usually is entails busy days. Uh, and they've had a very busy day. They have fed 5,000 men, women and children besides. And you can imagine that they are worn out. And as the day is kind of drawing to an end, Jesus says to his disciples, I want you to get in a boat and I want you to row to the other side of the Sea of Galilee and, and I'll meet you there. And they begin to, in the center of God's will, begin to get in that boat and begin to row across the Sea of Galilee. And about the third or the fourth watch of the night, about three o'clock in the morning, uh, they hit a storm. Now, they're exceptionally surprised by that, but Jesus isn't. Jesus knew that he was sending them there. He knew there would be a storm that would arise. And as they are in the midst of that storm, I want us to consider tonight and, and over the next couple of nights, if the Lord lets us continue in this text, uh, that sometimes you and I will find ourselves in stormy situations and yet smack dab in the center of God's will. I, I think that we have this idea that if you're going through a tough time in your, in your life, if you're a Christian, that's because there's sin in your life and you're not right with God. That's not Bible. That is not what the Bible teaches us. Matthew 14 is a perfect example that you can be smack dab in the center of God's will exactly where God told you to be and you can hit tremendous storms in your life. And God is doing that very often to grow our faith because remember, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And so he wants to grow our faith and we're gonna look tonight at growing our faith, walking by faith. And you know, whether it's a matter of being involved in missions, 
missions as as far as going yourself or missions giving. We call this a faith promise missions conference. I do like the idea of grace giving as well. Second Corinthians chapter eight tells us really, I think very specifically, that that was a grace offering that they gave. But I understand the concept of faith promise giving as well. Um, so whether it's giving by faith, going by faith, whether it's ministering in the local church, do you know that you can't get up and sing a special song? You can't work in the nursery. You can't work in the sound area. You can't be the church secretary and be pleasing to God unless you are doing that by faith. It all takes faith. Managing your day-to-day life in the storms of life require that you and I walk by faith or we can't be pleasing to God. And so God wants us to walk by faith, and we're gonna see an incredible walk of faith in Matthew chapter 14 uh, tonight. So let's look at this uh, together if we can. Matthew 14, I wanna begin reading in verse number 24. This is a familiar passage to many of us, but you follow along. Notice what the Bible says as I begin to read. Matthew 14 and beginning in verse number 24. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, That's that ship that the disciples got into as Jesus directed them to. And they're in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, or about 3 a.m. in the morning, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. Have you ever wondered why? the disciples didn't recognize that it was Jesus? I've often thought about that. I've often wondered, these guys ate breakfast with Jesus. They ate lunch with Jesus. They they ate supper with Jesus. They ministered with him 24-7. Where he walked, they walked. Where he slept, they slept. What he did, they followed along. And so here's Jesus walking to them on the midst of uh, of the sea. And the Bible says, when they saw him, they were troubled. The Bible says in in Mark's gospel that they were toiling and rowing. The idea of what is happening here is that they're kind of frantic. There's really only one seaworthy person in the boat, and his name's Peter. The rest of these people are all kind of land lovers. They've all had jobs on the land, and, and so most of them are out of their comfort zone. And you can imagine being out in the middle of the sea on a little tiny rowboat, and you're wondering, are we going to live? Are we going to drown? Uh, what's going to happen here? And now here comes somebody walking on the water. Nobody has ever seen this in their lifetime before, never been recorded in history before that something like this has happened. And as the circumstances are overwhelming to them, I think what is happening is they're becoming more and more fearful and their faith is shrinking. By the way, there is a biblical parallel with your faith and your fear. Uh, Jesus said to uh, his disciples in Matthew 8 in verse 26, another time when they were on the sea and they were worried they were gonna drown and Jesus was on the boat with them that time and he said to them, "O ye of little faith, why are you fearful? Little faith equals great fear. Why are you fearful? Because they've taken their eyes off of Jesus and put them on the circumstances. And the circumstances are so overwhelming to them that they can't even begin to think about Jesus, let alone imagine that that's Jesus walking to them on the water. And I just want to encourage you that as as you go through storms of life, by the way, it's not a matter of if you go through a storm, it's when. So as you go through storms of life, I want to encourage you to remember to keep your eyes on Jesus because when you take your eyes off of Jesus, you're going to imagine all kinds of troubles. And we're going to see that Peter imagined all kinds of difficulties and troubles. He sees things you can't see. He imagines troubles that really you and I should never imagine could exist when you're walking with Jesus. Fear and faith cannot live simultaneously in the same heart. You will either live by faith or you will be controlled by your fear. And so Jesus is walking to them, and they're fearful. They don't know what's going on. And Jesus is always so gracious, so kind. Jesus knew they were fearful, 
And the Bible says straightway or immediately. Immediately Jesus spoke unto them and he said, Be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. How kind and good of Jesus to call his disciples' hearts back to and their thoughts and their mind back to him. I love verse 28. It helps me to understand that Peter really was just a regular guy. Peter answered and he said unto him, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come out of the, down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, have you ever seen the wind? You've seen the effects of the wind. There's not a person in the room that's seen the wind. When you take your eyes off of Jesus, you will get fearful and you will imagine to see all kinds of things. When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And he began to sink. Now think of how close he is to Jesus at this point. He cried and he said, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stressed forth his hand. He is an arm's length away from Jesus. And he still is faltering in his faith. That tells me that you and I are going to be prone to be controlled by fear unless we have a deliberate plan to walk by faith. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and he called him and he said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, Jesus and Peter, the wind ceased. Then they, were in the then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, Jesus, not Peter, saying, of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Our Father, would you please uh, bless our time now in the Word, and we ask that you will speak to our hearts. We're, uh, Lord, been encouraged by the testimony of our brother and all that you have done in and through his wife as they have walked by faith in ministry in India and here in the United States. We've been blessed by the music, and now, Lord, we're asking that you would, uh, Lord, help us to be yielded to the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God as he ministers to our hearts as only you can, Lord, as the word of God is preached. So be glorified in the decisions we make this evening. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever been involved in one of those conversations where, where you're talking and somebody says something and you kind of look and you say, what in the world were they thinking? You don't say it out loud because you don't want to be rude, but you think, were, were they in the same conversation? Were they part of the same conversation I was a part of? And were they really understanding what was going on? I could write a book about the conversations that I have had with people in the foyer of our church after Sunday morning services or Sunday evening services or midweek services. Some time ago, we had a young couple in the church and the young lady was expecting her, her second baby, and she had uh, some complications with the pregnancy, and she had what it turned out to be a kidney stone. Now, I have had one kidney stone in my life, and I can tell you that I thought I was dying. They say it's more, more painful than pregnancy. I, I, I couldn't prove that. I wouldn't know. I know the left would tell me that I could probably imagine myself to be pregnant and I could will it to be so, and, and, but I don't even want to. Why would you? But I had one kidney stone. I was convinced I was going to die. I was so convinced I didn't even tell my wife about it because I thought, it's cancer, I'll be dead in two weeks and she'll get the, she'll get the insurance, it'll all be good. This young lady had a kidney stone. And one of our ladies came to me after the service and, and she said, uh, you know, she was just asking about her and concerned about her and how she was doing this, that, and the other. And another lady came and involved herself in the conversation right about the time we were talking about the kidney stone. And she looked and she said, my cat had a kidney stone once. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, that's good to know. And I thought, well, surely she'll be done. We're talking about a pregnant lady that's got a kidney stone, and we're worried about her health, and we're worried about the baby. And she said, yeah. 
my cat had that kidney stone, and man, it, 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 it really upset my cat. And I said, that's good to know. And she said, you know, it, it, it got to my cat so much that it, 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 it got scared of its litter box because it associated the pain of the kidney stone with its litter box. And I'm looking at her and I'm going, really? Now, I'm trying to be nice. And if you know me, you know that that's a lot of work. And I'm trying not to, to say anything I shouldn't say. One of the, my favorite things I tell my wife all the time is, if you only knew what I wanted to say and didn't, you'd be so proud of me. <laughs> so she's, she's telling me about this, and this other lady. And we're trying to have a conversation about a, a lady that really does have a kidney stone and is going to have a baby. And she said, you know, it got so scared of its, of its, of its litter box that it wouldn't go to the litter box any longer, and it decided to use my husband, who happens to be an airline pilot, his brand new luggage as its litter box. Now, if you only knew what I wanted to say. What I wanted to say was, you know, that luggage probably would have made a good kitty casket. But I didn't. I said, that's good to know. <laughs> we'll just file that away somewhere. And my girls know this, in, know this saying from me later on. Thank you for the illustration. <laughs> Have you ever been in one of those conversations where somebody says something and you think, where are they coming from? Why did they say that? That made no sense. Now, what if you were in the boat with Peter? And Jesus is walking on the water, and we don't even know if it's Jesus. And the way we're going to test it out is, Peter's got a great idea. This guy would have been a rocket scientist all day long. If it be thou, well, I'm not even really sure, but if it, what if it wasn't? Have you ever thought about that? What if it wasn't Jesus? If it be that... <laughs> Let's see if it's Jesus. I got the perfect plan. Jesus, if it's you, bid me come. Now the other guys, they've been watching Peter put his foot in his mouth for almost three years. So they're going, serves him right. If it be thou... Bid me come. And I don't know what Peter thought when Jesus, who he didn't even know if it was Jesus, said come. But I wonder sometimes, I wonder if he thought, why can't I keep my mouth shut? Why don't I just shut up once in a while? I should listen to James. Swift to hear, slow to speak. Two ears, one mouth. Listen twice as much as you talk. And I can imagine everybody on the boat going, serves him right. Serves him right. And sometimes I think about Peter. And he's out there. Lord, bid me come. But you know what? That was the start of an incredible walk of faith. Lord, if you will, bid me. And that started an incredible walk of faith. Do you know anybody besides Peter or Jesus that walked on water? Nobody does. Peter did the impossible. By the way, that's what faith does. Faith, when you and I operate by faith, we can see the impossible accomplished. And while at first it may seem like it was one of those times where you think, what in the world, Peter? What were you thinking? I see it as one of those times where 
Peter actually begins his walk of faith in a way that models how you and I should start a walk of faith. And so let's notice just a couple of things tonight, and we'll go through them rather quickly. But I want to see how we ought to start a walk of faith and what happens when we walk by faith. This is, after all, a faith promised missions conference. And if at the end of this conference on Sunday, we all fill out cards that we can figure out, missions giving cards that we can figure out, we figure it into our budget, we say, this is what I can do, and I know I've got it covered, and it's all set, and I can get this, I can give up a coffee a week, or I don't have to go to Starbucks, or I can cut back on the cable bill, or whatever the case might be, we will have accomplished very little. And I dare say, we will have accomplished nothing that is pleasing to God. You have a faith promise missions card in your hand. You're going to be asked to give by faith this week. But before you do that, let's look to the scriptures and find out, how do I start this walk of faith? How do I do that? First of all, would you notice with me just this? Before you begin any walk of faith, call unto the Lord. Call unto the Lord. Lord, if it be thou, bid me come. I said, how did he know? How did, how did, how did Peter know it was Jesus? I think from the wording, he must have known. In his heart, there was something there because he says, Lord. He doesn't say, you know, I hope you're God, but Lord, a title that was reserved for Jesus in his life. If it be thou bid me come, and I would encourage you to never begin a journey of faith without prayer. Never attempt to do the impossible. Never attempt to do anything for God without asking his permission first. I want you to understand as we go through this that there is a tremendous difference between willingness and willfulness. You see, willfulness says... Lord, here I come. And Peter gets out of the boat. Willingness says, Lord, I don't know how. I sure can't reason it out. But if you want me to walk on water, you can make it so. So if it be you, bid me come. Willfulness puts us in a position to exercise faith. Our willingness does, rather. Willfulness just says, hey, Lord, I'm going to do it. You're bound to bless it. But God's not bound to bless our efforts. He's bound to bless our walk of faith. He promises to do that. But when we are just willful, so, you know, as we look at the faith promise cards, we don't want to just go, well, I'm just going to put down $1,000 this, you know, I'll just give $1,000 a week. That's what I'm going to do. And God's bound to bless it. He's got to give it. No, he doesn't. Now, if God tells you to give $1,000 a week or $100 a week or $50 a week or $10 a week, I remember when my wife called me she was at a, a Faith Promise Missions Conference right here at Harvest Baptist Church when we were meeting at the small building. I was working the second shift. First Faith Promise Conference she had ever attended. And she said, hey, this guy says we gotta be involved in missions. I thought, involved in missions? I'm poor and I'm already tithing. I can't do that. And she said, oh, no, but we've gotta do this. And I said, well, tell him, tell him we'll give 15 bucks. <laughs> Just, that's, what, that's what we'll give. You know what? I got involved by sight. Now, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, if we get there, really nothing wrong with getting involved at a, at a figure that you can kind of begin to understand. Now, I really couldn't understand even $15 at the time. That's the truth. 
But I'm just saying, I went about it wrong because I just said, hey, just do this. Don't begin a journey of faith without calling unto the Lord. And when Peter, when Peter asked that permission, Lord, if it be thou bid me come, it's interesting because the Greek, uh, underlying Greek that is used there is Peter uses language that would be reserved to ask a king for a royal decree. That was appropriate. Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so he doesn't just say, hey, I'd like to walk on water if you could make it so. But he asks for a royal decree. Lord, if it be thou, bid me come. I'm asking you this week to ask the Lord for a royal decree. Lord, I'd like to be involved in missions. I'd like to give something to help support missionaries around the world because I know I'm supposed to do that. Would you please by royal decree, tell me what I'm supposed to do. God will answer that prayer. I think too often we develop our own plans and then we say, I'm going to do this for the Lord, and he's duty-bound to put his stamp of approval on it. But sooner or later we have to realize I've acted outside the will of God. It's an unfortunate truth that I have, I've met some people who have acted outside the will of God with the best of intentions. We had a man who came with his family to Arizona and he, he came with the idea that he was gonna work in our church and, and get some training and go out and, and plant a church. And, and through the process, it became really evident that he had never really kind of thought this through. And there were a lot of problems that we had to work through and a lot of difficulties that we had to work through. And, and I remember when it all kind of came to a head and we sat down one day and I just had a heart to heart with him and, and talked with him and had a couple of our deacons there and all. And I remember saying to him about his calling and asking him, hey, are you sure that this is what God wants you to do? And did God really put you here in Arizona? And has he really called you to plant a church? And, and he said this. He said, uh, and I said, did God answer your prayer? And he said this to me, and I'll never forget it. He said, I've never asked God. I've never prayed and asked God to do anything. I said, what? He said, oh, no. No. I've just done it. I've just... I went to Bible college because I thought I should go to Bible college and, and I decided I was going to be a church planter and, and I, don't, I don't pray about that, I just do it. And I said, and you think God has to bless that? It became obvious to me why we were having some difficulties and why it was obvious to almost everybody who knew the situation that the man really wasn't in the center of God's will for his life. There is a difference between willfulness and willingness. Don't start a journey of faith without calling upon the Lord, seeking his permission. Number two, it's not enough just to call upon the Lord. There's a second step. After you call on the Lord, get confirmation from his word. Get confirmation from his word. Lord, if it be thou, bid me come. And Peter just walks. That is not what we read in the text. Lord, if it be thou, bid me come. Peter pauses. We, by the way, don't know how long it took for Jesus to say come. It could have been instantaneous or it could have been three minutes. But Peter didn't move until Jesus said come. It's not going to be enough for you this week to say, well, I've prayed about it. We like to spiritualize a lot of decisions in our life. And it's hard for anybody to argue with you when you say, you know, they say, why, why did you do that? Well, I prayed about it. Well, that's real spiritual. Did you wait for an answer? Did you get confirmation from the word? There's a difference between willfulness and willingness. There's a difference between presumption and permission. Presumption can get you in trouble. Let me give you an example. 
it would never happen like this in your house, I understand it. But in my house, it could happen this way. I'm in my office, the kids are in the kitchen, and they call and they say, Dad, can we have 25 gummy bears? And you know why they ask Dad, right? Because moms are mean. And they know mom's going to say no. But they know there's a really good chance. The older my kids get, the more I find out how soft I really was. They're always like, yeah, we always told the little ones to ask you, Dad, because we knew you would say yes. Dad, can I have 25 gummy bears? There's a difference between presumption and permission. And I'm going to say yes, because what do I care if they ruin their dinner? I didn't cook it. Yeah, you can have 20, but, but I'm getting up. And I go into the kitchen. And before I say you can have 25 gummy bears, they're already stuffing them in their mouth. Now, I know it wouldn't happen in your house. But they're already stuffing them in, your mouth, in their mouth. And I say, what are you doing? Well, I asked. Yeah, but I didn't say, oh, but you were going to. Now you think mom is mean? Because now I'm telling the kid, I hope you enjoy the gummy bears. They're the last ones you're having for the rest of your life. (laughs) There's a difference between presumption and permission. You can pray about a thing, but don't presume to take the Lord's place and develop your own answer. You see, Peter was wise to wait for confirmation from the word. And you and I, as we make our decisions, ought to wait for confirmation from the word. Now, Jesus isn't going to speak audibly to us, but he gives us his word. And you can pray and you can say, Lord, give me something from your word so that I will know. About a year ago, on a Friday afternoon, I was sitting at home in my home office and I was minding my own business. I wasn't stirring up any trouble with anybody. As far as I knew, I I wasn't in trouble with my wife. I wasn't in trouble with my girls. I wasn't in trouble. I just, it was a good day. I had just finished studying for the weekend. I thought, I'm just minding my business and I got a phone call. It was Dr. David Schneider, who's the president general director of Baptist International Missions. And he he called and he said, hey, um, you got a minute? And I said, sure. And he said, this is going to be an unusual phone call. And I said, okay. <laughs> and he said, uh, I want to I ask you to consider being our far north director with BIMI. I froze. I told him, you know, I... I I I don't think so. I'll pray about it, but I don't think that's what God has for me. But I said, I'll pray about it. I went out and talked to Paul and the girls. They were doing homeschool and and some stuff in the kitchen. I came out and I said, hey, listen, uh, I'm just going to lay it out here. Dr. Snyder just called. Here's what he asked. Girls started crying. I don't want to do that. It wasn't that they didn't want to do that. It was that they had only known Arizona. And all their friends were there in one church their whole life and all of that. And I just said, I said, well, I told him, I don't think we're going to do it, but we all have to be willing, so we're going to pray about it. So I began to pray about it. And the more I began to pray about it, the more it seemed to me that the Lord was saying, yes, this is what you're going to do. So I called Dr. Snyder after several weeks and I said, hey, you know, Seems like the Lord is saying yes, but I can't figure this thing out and I have nothing from his word. He said, you know, if it were me, I'd just put a time limit on it. I said, really? He said, oh yeah. I would just tell the Lord I need to know and here's what I need to know by. I thought, hmm, there's a reason why he's the president general director. <laughs> I'll give it a try. What could it hurt? I didn't think it would be rude. I mean, if my son said to me, Dad, can I have the car, car on Friday night? And by the way, I'd like to know by Friday night. I wouldn't think that was rude. So that was on a Thursday. 
Friday morning, I was reading in my Bible from Numbers chapter 9. At the end of the chapter, there's a passage where seven times in seven verses, the Bible says that uh, the children of Israel encamped around the tabernacle and that they didn't move in their journeys unless the Lord took the cloud off the tabernacle. And if the Lord took the cloud off the tabernacle, they moved. And if he left the cloud on the tabernacle, they stayed. And it says sometimes they stayed a week, and sometimes they stayed a month, and sometimes they stayed a year. But every time, the Lord removed the cloud. So that was Friday morning. I read that. And so Friday morning, I prayed, and I prayed exactly this. I said, Lord, would you please make it so clear, and would you give me something from your word that it's like the sun bursting through the clouds on a rainy day, so that I will know if we're supposed to stay or go. Would you do that? And by the way, could you do that by Tuesday? That's how I prayed. Saturday afternoon, the next day, we went to a, a send-off for a missionary couple, a young lady from our church, a young man from across the Phoenix Valley. They're married. They're in, uh, in Ethiopia serving today. Go to their send-off to, you know, kind of bid them a farewell and all. And at that send-off are pastors from all over, and, and there's a pastor there, and he is uh, talking to me, and we don't know each other very well, and he says to me, he said, hey, where were you before you were in Arizona? And I said, oh, I was in Quebec, and we moved on, and that was about the extent of that conversation as far as where, where I was. The conversation lasted for probably another 25 to 35 minutes, and he stopped, and he looked at me, and he said, hey, and I said, Yeah. He said, did you ever think that maybe God moved you from Quebec to Arizona? Now, he didn't know what I was praying about, didn't have anything that was going on in my mind. Did you ever think that the Lord moved you from Quebec to Arizona to prepare you to do something in Canada again? And I looked at him and I said, no, that's stupid. <laughs> Why would I think that? He didn't know what I was praying about. The far north director's position is Canada, Greenland, and Alaska. And I said to the Lord privately, even though I looked at him and said, that's stupid. <laughs> I said, okay, Lord, it's getting bright, but that's not your word. So could you give me something from your word, and could you do that by Tuesday? So Sunday morning, we always read our missionary prayer letters in Sunday school. And uh, we have one of our missionaries who starts every one of his prayer letters with a Bible verse. And I would say 99.9% .9 of the time he ties that Bible verse into his prayer letter. Well, I read his prayer letter and I read the Bible verse and I recognize that the Bible verse has nothing to do with his prayer letter whatsoever. But I also know that it was Acts 13.2 when the first missionaries were called out of the church at Antioch, and God said, separate Paul and Barnabas unto me, unto the work wherein I have called them. And when the Lord moved us from Arizona to Quebec, or from Quebec to Arizona, that was the exact verse, one of the verses that the Lord used to remind me that he had separated me to a work, and because he was my employer, he would decide where I carried out that work. Because I didn't want to go to Arizona. I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to leave Quebec. But he said, you're going to work where I tell you to work. Well, that morning I knew this. That Bible verse has nothing to do with this prayer letter. And it was written by a missionary literally on the other side of the world. But it has everything to do with what I've been asking the Lord to do. And I knew in Sunday school, we were going. No question at all. Why? Because the Lord said, come. I've separated you to a work. This is where you're going to work now. Always wait for confirmation. My wife, my daughters, my son, our church, anybody you will talk to, I'm sure will give you this testimony. I'm not fretting over the fact that I have zero salary right now. 
I have three churches that send us money sporadically. One faithfully, two sporadically. They do that to help us with ministry at, at Camp Bimmy. So I literally have zero salary. I, we've had this conversation in the car multiple times over the last couple of weeks. They'll tell you I'm not fretting. Why? Because I know this. God said come. Now if it were me and was my decision, I would be biting my nails off, pulling my hair out. But I know God is obligated. He's my employer. Therefore, he's obligated to provide my needs. As he said, I'm moving you to this new place. And you know what? Think this through. Peter was in the boat exactly where Jesus told him to be. So he was in the will of God when he was in the boat. Do you recognize that if he would have stepped out of the, will of, uh, out of the boat before Jesus said come, he would have stepped out of the will of God? There's a difference between permission and presumption. There's a difference between willfulness and willingness. Third thing, and I'm done. Call on the Lord if you're gonna start a journey of faith. Confirm it in his word. This part's so important. It would seem obvious, but it, it, it really, it doesn't seem obvious to so many people that I, I, I work with and talk to. When you get that confirmation, carry out your part. Carry out your part. You know, biblical faith is active. It's not passive. It's something you and I live out. We walk by faith. The Bible tells us that over and over again. Walk by faith. Order your life by faith. Biblical faith is, is an active thing. It's not a passive thing. We say, oh, I don't want to talk about my faith. That's personal. That's private stuff. That's just between me and the Lord. No. Let your good works Shine before men that they might see your father. Uh, see, see in your works your, your father and glorify your father which is in heaven. Show me your faith without works. I will show you my faith by my works. You would think it's obvious, but it's not because here's what we do. Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And the Lord says, come. And you say, okay, I'll see if it fits in my schedule. I'll see if I want to do it. I was just really wanting to know what you wanted, but now I'm going to figure out what I want. And, you know, if it matches up good, and if it doesn't, I'm going to stay here. Think this through. I already said it. Peter is the only guy in the ship that's comfortable on the water. Everybody else... They're uncomfortable on the water. They're land lovers. So in the ship, what is that for them? That's actually their comfort zone. They're very uncomfortable, but they're in their comfort zone as much as they can be because it's better to be in the ship than out of the ship, right? So that's their comfort zone. But what about Peter? Well, the ship is his comfort zone all the time. He's a fisherman. He's used to the storms on the sea. Your walk of faith, if you're really walking by faith, will take you out of your comfort zone. What was out of Peter's comfort zone? It was outside the ship. I remember when Dr. Snyder called and he said, hey, I want you to think about that. And, and, and he said, you can tell me yes, you can tell me no, you can, you can say I'm going to pray about it, you can do whatever you want. He said, but right now I just want you to stop. And I want you to tell me exactly what you feel right now. If you only knew what I wanted to say and didn't. But what I really said, and I said what I really wanted to say was this. I feel like you just threw me in the water way over my head. I said, literally, I feel like I'm drowning. He said, I understand. I know that feeling. I was comfortable in Arizona. Church paid me a salary. 
We're on, we're on track to make, exceed our budget this year by twelve dollars to $15,000. Our bills are paid. There's money in the bank. That's the comfort zone. Hard to live by faith and walk by faith when you're comfortable. Peter was in the will of God when he was in the boat until the moment that Jesus said, come. And if Peter didn't move when Jesus said, come, he could have stayed in that boat, but he was outside the will of God. So as you start a, a walk of faith, call on the Lord. Confirm it in his word. And whatever he gives you as confirmation, carry out your part. If Jesus says, hey, this is what I want you to do, come. Maybe this week there's gonna be some who say, hey, God's calling me to do something that's way outside my comfort zone. Ministry in the church, mission field maybe, uh, a church planting, I don't know, Bible college. Maybe it's something to do with your faith, promise, giving, and commitment for the year. And God's gonna call you way outside your comfort zone. Well, if this week, if you're gonna pray and you're gonna ask for confirmation in the word, when you get to that place, you'll have two decisions. One choice, really. Will I get in the will of God or will I be out of the will of God? Peter had just one choice. I could stay in the boat. Now, I was in the will of God in the boat, but he's just told me to move. And I could stay in the boat, but I'm out of the will of God. Or I could get out of the boat. And I could walk by faith in the will of God. You cannot be in the will of God if you are not walking by faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please him. So as we start this week, I'm asking you, pray. Take that card that you were handed and pray. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? What do you want me to mark on this, on this card this week? Not, not what I, I think I know and I can figure it out. Lord, what do you want me to mark on the card this week? Now be careful. There is a fine line between faith and foolishness. We're not asking you to make an emotional decision this week. We're asking you to make a decision that you can confirm in the word of God. I hope you believe that if you ask God to confirm for you in his word what he wants you to do for your missions giving, that he will do that for you. He did it for me by way of a, a prayer letter that came from a missionary half a world away. But he did it with his word. And as God does that for you this week, I'm just gonna ask you this. Will you please, please, I, I, I seek fruit that abounds to your account. Paul said to the Corinthians, this is expedient for you. It means this is good for you. Will you please say yes to whatever God's will is as he confirms it in his word after you call unto him. Our Father, we ask that you would please, Lord, in these moments that we have as pastor comes, that you will help us this night, first night of Faith Promise Missions Conference to decide this year, we walk by faith. This year, we give by faith. This year, we're gonna ask you to do things that are impossible and beyond anything we can imagine because we're gonna ask you to do it as we respond by faith. And we'll give you the praise and the honor and the thanks for what you accomplish in Jesus' name.